This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Oh man, now, during the worship, we sang a song, Miracle Maker, Promise Keeper. Um, there was a list. <laughs> I actually know it off my heart, but it's gone out my head. Um, and, and one of the words, um, one of the statements is, even when I don't see it, you're working. And um, I hope she doesn't mind me naming her, but Sue came over and had a little whisper to me. Sometimes it's something you want to bring in the middle of the worship, and sometimes it's just worth tagging on to the sermon. So I've tagged it on to the sermon. Um, but she's absolutely right. We sing these words, even when I don't see it, you're working. Do we believe these words? And actually it goes so well with what I want to say to you this morning. I just want to stick it out there as a challenge at the beginning. Every single word that we sing in church is not, it's not school assembly in this room, guys. This is not just, you know, all things bright and beautiful, even that's lovely and declares the glory of God. But what I mean is we're not just in the room to sing songs because that's the routine that we take. When we sing songs, we are declaring through our mouths out loud the truth of God over our lives, okay? So there's something way more powerful than just trying to follow a melody. So I hope that you understand why we worship and why perhaps some of us get a little bit excited and, you know, kind of wave our arms around. You'll see why I raise my arms a lot in a moment because let's get into the scripture because one of the reasons I raise my arms is right here in the scripture in many ways. I like to reach out to God. Let's have a look. This week, we have reached Luke chapter 8, the end of Luke chapter 8, verses 40 to 56. Lord, anoint my words. Here we go. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Where's he returning from? He's returning from healing a man Uh, possessed with many, many demons. And he sent the demons into pigs. And if you didn't hear the sermon last week, go back and listen to it from Mark. Um, Mark, my husband, not Mark the book. Um, Here we are. And then verse 41. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. Notice we get to know his name. We're not going to get to know anyone else's name in this passage, but we get to know his name. He's somebody fairly important. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, no NHS then, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden... 
she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. This means she admitted that bleeding disorder that she'd been suffering from and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James. Hang on, I just want to just... I read something in a commentary. It's not in my notes. None of this is in my notes except for the scripture so far. So let's see where we go today. Um, but Peter, James and John, we often see them as Jesus' inner crowd. I read in a commentary, maybe he just needed to keep a closer eye on these three. Yes. <laughs> so I thought I'd share that with you because I quite like that. Um, so he allowed Peter, James and John to come in with him and the father and mother of the child. That's all. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened there is so much in this really long passage. Mark gives us sometimes, and I blame Mark, but it's really the Holy Spirit. Mark sometimes gives us like one verse, two verses. What have I got here? A ridiculous amount of verses. And there's so much in each and every verse that I have to tell you, I had um, two-thirds more in my notes than what you're going to get today. So you want to chat to me about this, um, this passage. I'm happy. I could talk for months on this passage. So uh, you want to come and chat? I'm here for you. Okay, so these healing events seem to come actually chronologically directly after the account we read last week of the man being delivered from demons. And I say this because it appears the same in other Gospels. Okay, I think it's Mark where it goes straight from one to the next as well. It might even be Matthew as well. I know this particular, um, these two stories that we're reading today um, happen in both Mark and Matthew. You can look at them in Matthew 9 and Mark 5. Um, So, I think it happens chronologically because the way it says as well, when Jesus returned, so he's returning from there, the crowd welcomed him, they were all waiting for him. They probably heard what had happened across uh, the river or lake or whatever. Okay, so today we read of two more people that receive a healing touch from Jesus. It's a bleeding woman and a dead girl. All three, put the demonized man back in, of these types of people are considered unclean by Jewish traditions. According to Jewish law, you should not hang out amongst the tombs with demonized people. You should not touch a bleeding person, and a bleeding person should not touch you, and you should not touch a dead body. Jesus does all of this. So the first thing I want you to grasp and me to grasp is that Jesus treats nobody as unclean or less than. 
hear me, there is nothing about you that can disqualify you from approaching Jesus. So point number one is, go to Jesus, you are acceptable to him. And the bleeding woman did just that. She knew she was unclean. And as a bleeding woman, she actually put Jesus at risk. You know, it's funny. I I wasn't going to say this, but I have to say this. These days with COVID, we kind of get the idea of putting someone at risk. You know, maybe you think what I said at the beginning, put people at risk. I don't know. But I, I just want you to know that despite the fact that she knew she shouldn't, she did. You can make of that what you want. Because the Jewish teaching of the time is that an unclean person would pass their uncleanness onto anyone they touched. So she should not have been in a crowd bumping into many people, putting them all at risk of becoming unclean. Wow, these days that feels a bigger story than it has in the past, doesn't it? Yet, we see here that she reached out And touched Jesus on purpose. And rather than transferring her uncleanness onto him, it's like Jesus absorbed her uncleanness and she was immediately made well. She was no longer unclean. There was a divine exchange. And this same sort of divine exchange is what Christians live in. You know how you feel when you've done something wrong? There's a sick, horrible feeling. It's an inner physical reaction that at its root tells you that you just made yourself a little bit less clean, a bit less acceptable to God and others. It's an inner, involuntary reaction to what the Bible calls sin. But on the cross, Jesus exchanged our sin for his righteousness, so that there would be nothing to keep us away from reaching out to God in the way this woman did. Isaiah 53 verse 4 to 6 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. When the woman touched his garment, Jesus wasn't made unclean. Instead, the woman was made whole. And when we come to Jesus with our sin and lay it upon him, it doesn't make him a sinner, but it makes us clean and whole. Nobody on their own can ever be good enough or right enough to draw near to God. But when we reach out to Jesus on purpose, you see why I wave my arms in worship? (laughs) It's always a reaching out to Jesus. When we reach out to Jesus on purpose, looking for his help, he immediately makes us right, clean, and acceptable to God. And that's what Romans 3, verses 22 to 25 means. This is what it says. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For all have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. All, everyone, nobody is missed out of the word all. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And this is what it says. This is how it works. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Big words, Christian words. I find Christianese very difficult. And as I read it out, all I heard was Christianese, sacrifice, atonement, shedding of his blood. Okay, hard to conceive unless I just say it's a swap. It's a divine swap. My badness for his goodness. I just give him my bad. He gives me his good. And the opportunity to exchange our sin for Jesus' salvation and perfection and ability to get close to God is taken up by an act of will, a choice. We are each saved by a decision to reach out and put our faith in Jesus, much like this woman did. You don't have to wave your arms. There's no other way to enter into the presence of God. There's no other way to eternal life. Jesus said it clearly in John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want to be made right and cleaned up from sin, if you don't want anything between you and God and all that sicky, horrible feeling when you did that thing and you wish you hadn't, you just need to make an act of faith, just like that woman did. You just need to make a decision to reach out in your heart right now towards Jesus. And I have a prayer on screen that we can all pray together to help you reach out and do just that. You can speak it aloud or say it in your head. But let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, I reach out to you today and ask for a divine exchange of your holiness for my messiness. I believe that you died for me and that you are risen from the dead and you're coming back again for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. If you agree, do say amen because amen means I agree. So, back to point number one. Go to Jesus. You are acceptable to him. Secondly, what I noticed in these scriptures is that we see that there's no single way that God brings healing. There are no right words or ways to approach Jesus for healing. Actually, there are no right words to get you into the kingdom either. We pray a prayer to help you, but actually it's your heart that opens your way into the kingdom and your beliefs, your mind. It's nothing to do with what words you say out loud. And I just really want to take that off ourselves today. So I believe, here's the thing, that in the area of miracles, there's a fine line between our Christian faith and falling into witchcraft-like thinking. <gasps> Especially when we desire a very specific outcome. Sure, there are helpful principles in the Bible, and there are people who have experiences of things they have done or said or declared that have opened up their way to their miracle. 
but hear me because I think this is really important. There isn't one perfect way to your miracle. And partly this is because it doesn't all depend on you. If you think it does, that is also witchcraft-like thinking. God took me to Isaiah 47, which is all about witchcraft. And verse 10 says, Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray, and you said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. Once we start to rely upon ourselves, we are relying on the wrong thing. I know it would be so much easier if I just said, do this, Read this, rebuke this, say this, believe this, declare this, and you will get your miracle. And to be honest, I've preached sermons along those lines in the past. But I really felt God lead me this way today. Because I strongly believe, here's the thing, let's just be clear, very, very clear. I believe that reading God's promises over yourself aloud is powerful. That's why songs are so powerful. I'm going to say it again. And these, doing these things will renew your mind. I strongly suggest you do that anyway. But Christianity is not going to give you, walking with Jesus is not going to give you this, 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 then this, other than give your life to Jesus and you are saved. Okay, that's the only one. <laughs> that's the only one that there is a specific way to go, okay? I, I need to be really clear about this because I really felt it impressed upon me. There is not a recipe or a spell to follow that if it all lines up correctly in your life, only then is your healing or miracle released. And I have heard Christian speakers say this and make it sound like it is that way. And perhaps I've sounded like that in the past. I don't know. So this is why I'm laboring the point. Because I really believe that there's no set amount of faith you need to build up to. There's no special set of things you can do or read or say to bring your healing about. You know, God's not holding back your miracle, holding it here, watching you until you can quote three healing verses and a victory song. Right, come on then. Now you can have it. No, he's not holding it back. He's not holding it back. I believe that there are many unanswerable questions. And as humans, this quest for knowledge has to get off us. We can't answer everything. And within the area of healing, there are many unanswerable questions, mainly because of what I noticed in these scriptures today. Because God treats us each completely differently. And we might not understand it all. But faith is trusting God all the way through everything. So point number two, and this is the bit I felt God editing inside me, so let's try it. It isn't always easy, but it's worth it. And I do believe and stand behind that sentence. But as we were praying in the pre-service prayer, Richard prayed about, you know, my yoke is easy. And my burden is light, said Jesus. And I had this challenge on the inside. And what suddenly occurred to me, and, and I had it actually in those, you know I told you about all those notes of, script, of stuff that I didn't bring. That was actually, that scripture was in there. And what it occurred to me is, it is easy. We make it hard. <laughs> so when I say it isn't always easy, but it's worth it, it's because we make it hard with our human thinking and our approach to life and what we concentrate on and how we think it should be or whatever. We make it difficult, okay? So every time I say, but it isn't always easy, but it's worth it, that's kind of what I mean. It should be easy, 
we make it difficult. Let's look at today's stories. Each shows a very different journey each person went on. The unclean woman made a choice to go into a crowd and reach out to touch someone, something she knew she shouldn't do. After she touched his garment, Jesus called the woman to reveal herself. Now, this would have likely been very embarrassing for her. Remember, she should not have touched him. Yet, God has reasons for doing things that make us feel uncomfortable or we may feel are very difficult at the time. So I think we really need to stop thinking everything is just easy or lazy, like it'll just be I'll float along with Jesus. Because even in the moment of healing, this woman had to have courage and overcome embarrassment. But here's the thing. If we raise our fear of embarrassment above our obedience to Christ, we're in danger of making pride a greater God than Jesus is. So what did this woman do? She didn't stay hidden. She came out trembling. It wasn't easy for her, but it was worth it. Jairus was a synagogue ruler. Now, if you want to know what that is, he was actually the equivalent of a modern-day pastor. So he had the responsibility of managing both the spiritual and business affairs of the synagogue. And here's this pastor. And he came to this itinerant preacher that was not very well thought of by his colleagues. And what does this pastor do? He falls to his knees, which is pretty much a worship stance. He falls at Jesus' feet to ask that he come, this man, come heal his daughter. Jairus had already risked his reputation immensely just to seek Jesus' help. But then, what happens next? He's made to stand and wait while Jesus deals with a woman who clearly doesn't want to be identified. A desperate father waiting in the street whilst his daughter might be dying at home. And then after all that waiting, Jairus got the most devastating news ever. While he had waited there with Jesus, whilst the woman had battled her embarrassment and held everyone up even longer, his daughter had died. Guys, we're reading this scripture and we have to look at it differently. Make no mistake, Jairus was stretched through this time of waiting on Jesus. Jesus could have healed Jairus' daughter in exactly the same way that he did for the centurion servant back in Luke chapter 7. We only read it a couple of weeks ago. In Luke chapter 7, what does he do with the centurion? He says, go home, your servant's healed. He just heals from a distance. Just the faith, gone out, done, job done. I don't need to go physically see your servant. He could have done that for Jairus' daughter. Then this whole hoo-ha with the woman and the embarrassment and the bleeding wouldn't have held anything up because he could have just said, she's better now, your little girl. You came to me in faith, same as the centurion. She's better. But he didn't. He didn't do that. We don't always understand why we have to go through something. But one thing I do know, and I really know, is that Jesus is never, ever late. 
No one has the power to delay Jesus. There is more going on than we might ever understand. But remember, Jesus was with Jairus all the way through, as he is with you. It doesn't always feel easy, but it's worth it. Trusting Jesus means trusting him, even when things look wrong, lost, or hopeless. And that's something Jesus asked of Jairus. The minute Jairus heard his child had died, he was presented with a choice. What could he do? He could give up, just as his friend told him to do. Leave the teacher alone now, he was told. Go home. He could give up, go home, comfort his wife. He could go home sad, maybe moaning, maybe hugely disappointed, maybe even angry with Jesus, that Jesus had let him down and allowed himself to be delayed. And do you know what I think would have happened into the future of that choice? He would have blamed that woman. He would have blamed that woman forever. It would have been an area of bitterness, a root that would have grown inside him. And that's what humanity is like. And that's what would have happened had he made that choice, I think. But the choice was presented to him that there was another choice. So the human choice, the very natural choice, would have been all that I've just described. But you know, he had another choice. Obey Jesus. Because that moment that he received that awful news, Jesus turned to him and said, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. Again, Jesus still isn't healing her from a distance. He's just saying, you've got to believe. And, uh, and not fear, and she will be well. Sorry, I can't seem to grab my paper. There we go. Guys, we read these stories in a book, an ancient book, and we forget that these people were real human beings. They're not cartoon characters. They were real people with all the same limitations, fears, and desires as us. Jairus was no different to you or I. He had to make a choice, like we all do. Do we believe Jesus or go home hopeless? I always want to say helpless there, so I'm going to say it as well. Or go home helpless. Hopeless or helpless. Jairus had to exercise immense mental strength to obey what Jesus told him to do. That is not easy. He was told, do not be afraid, just believe. He's just heard his daughter's dead. That is not a simple thing to do. But listen up, if God tells you to do it, you are equipped to do it. You know, I heard this the other day and I had to pop it into my sermon because, you know, God never tells you to do something just to sit back, watch you and laugh at you as you fail. Can you imagine? If that's who you think God is, come talk to me because you have the wrong impression of God. He tells you to do something, you can do it. The end. So when the Bible says something... You can do it. Please get that. Because maybe today, for you, is not about uh, investigating the idea of healing or how healing comes about or any of that for you. For you today might be just to know that when the Bible says something uh, that you can do, that you can do it. Maybe that's what you need today. So that wasn't in my notes either, but I'm just going there. If God tells you to do it, you can do it. Full stop. Jesus tells Jairus... Don't fear, only believe. And that's because fear cancels out faith. 
It wouldn't have been easy for Jairus, but he had to let his hope in Jesus rise higher than his fear for the rest of that journey back to his house. Remember, we're not there yet. We're not outside his house. We're somewhere in the middle of nowhere. We still haven't reached his house. We don't know how long a walk that was. But on that walk, I promise you, as a person who has had to take control of her, and and by the way, this is really important because this is a fruit of the Spirit. It's called self-control. If you belong to Jesus, you have Jesus' Spirit living in you. And if you have Jesus' Spirit living in you, then you have the ability to control yourself I don't care what your mind tells you, okay? So what this man will have had to do, and I have had to do in my life, is on every single step, he will have had to go, don't fear, only believe. Don't fear, only believe. Don't fear, only believe. Don't fear, only believe. Because there's no way, no way he could have caught home any other way Because as he walked, he would have, you know it, you know it, you came in here this morning and your thoughts started to meander off somewhere, I don't know where. Something happened and it occurred to you, oh yeah, I forgot to tell my son this and I need to uh, give him that and later on I'll give him a call and... All of that just happened this morning, okay? Because we have no, we seem to have no control over our minds. So the minute we start walking a familiar way, we might start thinking. And that's, that was a thing that could have happened to Jairus, but I believe that he had to take every step following Christ to his home, believing and taking that fear off himself. Because following Christ through difficulties isn't easy. And I think we have to stop looking for the easy route. It's only easy when we trust him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light, but it's only easy when we do, when we trust. But it is worth it. Jesus has reasons for the things that we go through with him. We may not understand them at the time. In fact, we may never understand them. And I think we need to get on board with that. But we do always have the choice to hold on tight to Jesus right through the difficulties and pain. Or the choice is there to give up, let go of God and see nothing come from nothing. Because that's the other choice. You either hold on to God with hope or you see nothing come from nothing because there's nothing over there. The choice is that. So in these scriptures, the thing that I really, really grasped, and by the way, All those pages, there were way more things I grasped. But the one that I felt I needed to bring today, and probably surprising you all, because so far, I haven't given you a way to your healing. Um, There is no one way to receive healing from God. I see that in the scriptures. But we can trust Jesus that no matter how it feels in the middle, in that embarrassment, in that pain, in that awful news, he will lead us through to victory. Each of these recently read accounts over the last two chapters of uh, Luke show Jesus' healing in a different approach each time. Remember the centurion in Luke 7? His servant is healed at a distance by Jesus' command alone. The demonized man from last week had no mental capacity to exercise faith for healing. In fact, he seems to want Jesus to leave him alone. Jesus delivered him anyway. Jairus had to wait until his daughter died and still believe in Jesus through that pain. And the bleeding woman had to rebel against Jewish laws to 
even touched Jesus, and then she still had to face possible further embarrassment on top of it all. When I look through Scripture, I notice that Jesus heals all those he encounters. But it isn't always an easy encounter for the person. And the outworking of the healing is different time and again. And I feel a stirring in my spirit to teach this morning that the statement that we sing, one way, Jesus, is correct. Of course it is. But that Jesus doesn't have one way to your miracle, to healing, wholeness, or salvation. And what I mean is that the only way to healing, wholeness, and salvation is Jesus. He is the only way, as I said before. Jesus himself said that. But trusting in Jesus for healing is trusting that he moves by his spirit in each of our lives in a different way. There's no one way, no right way, no set of things you can do in exactly the right order to get you to where you need to be to receive your miracle from him. Because point number three is how I've, how I've written it. It's one way Jesus, but Jesus does not deal with us one way. We are each unique We're each a unique case to him. And he has the perfect way to minister to us individually. Guys, we're not a crowd to Jesus. Each individual matters to him. You sat there right now where you're sat. That seat you're sat in. That seat matters to him. You in that seat matters to him. You're not a group. You're not a crowd. You're an individual before him right now. I've been at healing meetings where many have received a healing touch at the exact same moment. But if you were to then talk to each person, you'll hear a different story of their healing journey, their healing miracle. They may have come not even knowing they were in pain, suddenly got pain during the service and got healed from it. They may have come through many years of a journey of something else or of reading scriptures. Or There are so many different journeys people will have been on to that moment of healing because in that moment, it seemed like healing was released en masse. And it was. But each individual was receiving their personal experience of healing because God was treating each one intimately. He doesn't treat us all the same. And I actually find that wonderful. In fact, I am feeling freed today in a way as a pastor, actually, and then in church leadership before I moved here to Malmesbury. um, I would say I haven't always felt. And the reason I haven't always felt is because Um, I've got a bit of a mouth on me. And I say things that maybe I shouldn't say, and you've probably got myself into trouble already several times this morning. Um, And and those are parts of my personality, and I have a very big personality, um, that that can, um, can cause trouble, especially in Christian circles, especially in faith circles, when people are talking about faith and Christianity and healing and receiving. Um, And and therefore, I felt uh, hampered in my life, to be careful, um, to shut down certain parts of me or to say things um, or or to realise I'm saying it. I seem to be, oh, I seem to be taking that disease back upon myself because of the way I just phrased that. And I can turn myself inside out with these ridiculous thoughts that come upon me. Um, 
if you don't know, I have lived with sickness most of my life. So if you want to talk, and I wasn't going to tell you about that, but, and I'm not going to, but if you want to talk to me about that, you can as well. But I tell you what, I couldn't stand here this morning if there wasn't healing power within my body, okay? So, um, so let's be clear about that. Um, but what I'm saying is, if we're not careful, we try and turn ourselves into someone else. We try and do what's worked for them. And we sellotape all this stuff onto ourselves which if you're not careful, and I maybe should have done it with some post-it notes, that would have been fun. That would have woken some of you up, wouldn't it? Um, is that we end up looking like just a big kind of post-it note of stuff that people have put upon us that isn't ours. It isn't our way, you know? Um, Jairus may have known about that centurion. Can you imagine? If he knew about the centurion, how frustrating that would be to stand there and still not have received the healing for his daughter. And, and I think, you know, the fact that God wants to do it individually is something at the time we may not find very <laughs> happy because it'd be much easier and nicer to just have a formula. But actually, I find it delightful. And today I feel released because Jesus has me in mind. Lydia, he has you, put your name in there, in mind when he's dealing with you. This means you don't need to behave like anybody else. This means your personality is precious and valued by him. And he wants to deal with you, real honest you, real honest me. No added things sellotaped to the personality to try and make it work for me. Today, God wants to lead you. And I believe this is the strongest point this morning. And I am going to be praying for healing uh, because I do believe in supernatural healing. Um, these stories tell you them. Um, but I actually believe one of the biggest things God wants to do this year is to lead us into a new year of possibilities. Is to take off some of the stuff that we've applied to ourselves that, that almost holds us back. Is supposed to have inspired us forward, but it hasn't. What it's done is kind of just cover up ourselves. And what he wants to do is take it off. And he wants us to walk out our faith in him exactly as ourselves. Exactly as who he has called to himself in you. In you. You see, there's no point in you if you're going to be like me. There's no point in you if you're going to be like uh, Pastor Brad back in Hertfordshire. There's no point in me if I'm going to be like Pastor Brad back in Hertfordshire. <laughs> there's no point if we're not going to be ourselves, okay? He wants you and me to learn to move with the unforced, unforced rhythms of grace. No longer striving towards a goal, trying to speak faith but feeling afraid inside. He knows already what you're actually feeling. He knows it all. He doesn't want you to be dishonest with who you are. He wants you to lean on him and start moving more naturally as yourself with his spirit growing and leading you. His spirit alone growing and leading you in every adventure that life will throw in your path. And I say adventure. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, in the message version of the Bible, shows Jesus saying this, and it's so beautiful. This is what he says to you. Receive it today. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Hope Church and anyone who's here in Hope Church today or watching online, I believe that this is Jesus' will for each and every one of us this year in 2022. So let's quickly just recap our points and get to the end of the service. Don't worry, I haven't forgotten. I don't have a clue what the time is. There's no clock. Oh, there is. Let's ignore it. Oop. Point number one, go to Jesus. You're acceptable to him. Point number two, it isn't always easy or doesn't feel like it is, but it's worth it. Number three, one way Jesus, but Jesus does not deal with us one way. So we must learn the unforced rhythms of grace and walk out our own unique journey with him. Having just now looked at the clock, I will skip some more of these notes and take us to where? Help. Lord, help. <laughs> if you read the equivalent scriptures in Matthew 9 and Mark 5 if you read about the woman, the bleeding woman you realise that she had tried everything else then she'd sort of heard about Jesus that's actually how it's written in Mark 5 and thought she might as well it seems like she might as well give him a go and I felt like God impressed upon me that we, many of us have tried everything else might as well give Jesus a go And what did she do? She reached out on purpose. Jesus asked the crowd, who touched me? Peter said, everyone touched you. But Jesus knew somebody touched him on purpose. And you could be sat here today because you can be in a crowd. You can be together with people. You can be in contact with Christ. But reaching out to Christ is different. You might be here today in Christ's presence and literally feel nothing, but the person next to you is having revelation after revelation and something is going on in them that's going to change them forever. That's what it actually is like. And it's because the stuff is going on on the inside, not the outside. There's a whole lot of stuff going on in your mind and spirit throughout your time with God. As humans, we put too much emphasis on the outward appearance and forget that all the action really is taking place on the inside. Jesus knew the difference. So Jesus asks her to reveal herself, not to embarrass her, but for her to come forward and receive the fullness of her healing. She tried everything else. He didn't want her to keep thinking she had to keep trying. He wanted her to confirm. He wanted to confirm to her, your journey is over today. And so when she came forward, she got to realize that her journey was over. And he said, your faith has made you well. Her faith was really just her trying something else. Her faith wasn't a huge frenzy of faith that she'd worked up. She tried the next thing on her list. She tried everything else. She tried Jesus. And you might be here today trying Jesus yourself. She simply tried Jesus and reached out in hope. I want you to know you do not need to have immense quantities of faith to receive from God. But you might need to reach out in hope. Remember, everybody's on a unique journey and God will deal with us each differently. But He is the only way to your breakthrough. Whatever it is can only be found in Him.